So we've been in the season of Lent starting like last Sunday, I really started Ash Wednesday before that, but it's, the, it's the, the days and the weeks leading up to Easter. And it is about us preparing our hearts and getting them ready for the best news in the whole wide world, that Jesus defeated sin and death, and that we too can be with him forever because of what he did on the cross. Wonderful, good news. But what we're trying to do, what, what, what Jim started last week was this idea that you, you can renew your, yourself constantly. Like we don't have to wait for some special event. We don't even have to wait for heaven to experience renewal. Now, we will not be fully renewed this side of heaven. But I promise you that as you take this journey of renewing yourself in the Lord, not just as we lead up to Easter, but every day, and you're going to grow in Christ. And you're going to experience him in ways that you never thought possible. And in ways that you might even say, hey, I actually, when you're in heaven, you might be like, hey, I actually experienced that in all of earth. And Jesus would be like, I don't know. I mean, there's just those moments that kind of the veil opens between heaven and, and, and earth, you know, and, and we, we experience the power of the Lord. And so that's what this is. This is good news. And sometimes I think people think Lent is something that's just like, Oh, let's just heap stuff on ourselves. And, and, and for some folks, that's what they do. And that is how they grow in Christ. And that's wonderful. Um, but as we are experiencing Lent together here at Christ Community Church, we want to do it in a way that's very hopeful. That uh, it is possible to live an ongoing, renewing life because of Jesus. And so that's good news. So let me pray for us. We're going to read uh, a passage of scripture from 1 Timothy, and it's a different type of uh, thinking on renewal here this week as we look at it. So let's pray. Lord, this morning, um, we are so grateful for what you have for us. We're so grateful for what you have for us every day. And Lord, we don't always realize it. We don't always see it. We don't always experience um, you, but you always want us to. And so, Lord, may we this Lent just prepare our hearts, not just for Easter, but but set this aside as a time rather than some people like give up chocolate or alcohol or whatever it might be, uh, that we would just give up trying to try to follow you all by ourselves. And we would allow you to renew us. But we will see as we'll look at today, Lord, it is a fight. A fight that you are in with us. And we're grateful for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you could go ahead and stand for me. I've just got a couple of verses for us today. Out of 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 11. It'll be up on the screen as well. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faithfulness, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Amen. You can be seated. This passage starts with Paul writing to Timothy. Uh, Timothy was a disciple of Paul. Paul uh, left him there, and, and Timothy was starting to pastor a church in this area. And um, 
what we see is he begins this, you know, what we're reading with the, with the phrase, but as for you. Like there's, a, there's obviously a stark difference that he's talking about, I would, I would think. Because he's saying, but as for you. So what is the difference about what I'm about to say and what I just said? There's a transition here. Anytime you see, uh, you know, a, a, a therefore or a but, like there, there's a transition that's happening. Okay, there's a, there's, a, there's a different way that the Lord is trying to communicate to us. And it is living in an opposite way of the world pursuing God. Primarily, uh, what was happening is they were, there was a lot of false teaching. And that false teaching had infiltrated the church. And then the leaders of the church were starting to uh, believe these things. And so they were having to write the ship. It also had to do with a lot about like people wanting to be rich and famous and all that stuff. But that's obviously, as I explained that, you're like, well, that kind of sounds like today. Yeah, you're right. It does. But as for you, and then he calls him something. He gives him sort of a title, so to speak. And he says, but as for you, O man of God. Like this is a reminder to him. Like, we do know that Paul wrote to Timothy to not be afraid. Like, don't be timid. Like, don't let them look down on you because you're young. I don't know what Timothy was specifically struggling with here, but, but Paul's like, like a coach at this point. And the kid's got his head down. And the coach, like, takes him by the chin and he pulls his chin up and he says, Hey, listen to me. You made this team. You belong here. You belong out there. Like, that's the type of thing. That's, it's like, hey, but... But as for you, oh man of God, like remember who you are. Don't forget, you are a man of God. And if I need to remind you, not by your own effort. Like you are saved. And then you began to participate. And that's what renewal is. It is God makes it possible for us to be saved. To go to heaven. And there are many people that are going to heaven that are not experiencing renewal. You know how I know? Because this world is getting further and further away from God. So when I read these words, I don't want us to like look at this and say, Wow, those are really encouraging words that Paul gave to Timothy. Because it goes on in Scripture, it says, all Scripture is God-breathed. It is like given to us for a purpose. Like the Holy Spirit is the one that empowered the pages of Scripture to be written. So although Paul is writing a letter to Timothy, this is really what God is telling us. You and me. You. O woman of God, you, O man of God. It is anyone who serves God, represents God, wants to speak his name. And we are to internalize these words for us, not just to look at this as, wow, what a cool moment in the life of Timothy. It was, but it can be a cool life in the moment of you too. Because we are to run away and run towards. You see, it says, flee these things. Like I said, it was the, the, the false teaching that had creeped in. Flee is different than ignoring them. Like this flee means don't be around. 
It means to seek safety from. It means don't even flirt with any of that stuff. Be done. Because when you get closer and closer and closer to those things, they literally start to draw you in. So you've got to go the opposite direction. Don't just flee, though. Where do you flee to? You flee from something, the way of the world. And you flee by pursuing God. It's to run towards God. It's to flee evil and run towards our Father. It's like those times that, like, you know, our kids are trying to be real brave and, and they go out and, like, they're, they're, I remember this at, like, the petting zoo constantly. Every single one of our kids went through this and they wanted to get really close <coughs> to the animal, you know, inside the fence and they're reaching over and the, the animal does something that startles them and they would turn around and cry. And where did they, where did they flee to? Mom or dad, right? Arms up and wide, like, oh my gosh, that was crazy. Did you see what happened? And what do we do? We don't go, I told you, idiot. You know, like, no. We pick up our kid, right? Hopefully, if you did, let me know. I've got some great counselors. But you, you pick up your kid and you go, what? It's okay. And you're smiling like it's all right because you know it's going to be okay. It's not the biggest thing that's going to happen in their life, right? We need to just flee those type of things that are no good for us into the open arms of our Father who won't say things like what took you so long. Who won't say things like, I don't know if I'm up for this. They'll say, I'm so glad you're here. Let me tell you, it's going to be okay. We are to pursue, which means, literally in the original language, pursue meant keep on making God your life pursuit. That's a big deal. Keep on making God your life pursuit. And what are we to pursue? We are to pursue... What Paul writes here to Timothy, but to us, is righteousness. Now, in a broad sense, we've talked about righteousness before. It is a big subject. We could talk about that all day long. But in a broad sense, it is that we are in right standing with God. That because of Jesus, his death and resurrection, the fact that he lived a perfect life that we couldn't live, a life that I'm going to describe for you in, in just a second here, because of that, um, when we begin to follow God, when we surrender our lives to Him and say, yes, I, 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 I'm going to receive this gift, uh, instantly we are in right standing with God. That's a beautiful thing. That's the broad sense of it. It's being in the state as we ought to be only comes from Jesus. And this is what Matt, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, Jesus says this. He's talking to the crowd and the Pharisees are around too. And he says this, here's what I tell you. You must be more godly than the Pharisees and the teachers who were like super religious, right? And the teachers of the law. And if you're not, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, Jesus is saying, including those that say that they're the most spiritual out there, including them, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they're more righteous than the Pharisees. Well, who is that? Jesus. So... There's the good news, and that's what Jesus tells us. But 
Because of that, because of that righteousness that we are, we have, we're in right standing with God, we get to live a righteous life differently. And this is what I mean. Anyone with or without Christ can pursue to live a righteous life. Anybody can. I mean, listen to these things. Uh, there are people that I know that you pursue righteousness. They, they seem very godly. They have faith. I mean, they even maybe even talk about the Lord, right? They seem to be loving. They seem to be a steady person and they're gentle in life. But you know, that's a lot of like other religions too. We could pick people out of other religions and say that that's true of them. We could pick really spiritual people that don't know Christ and that could be true of them. but they do the pursuing of righteousness in their own power. They are pursuing righteousness, but you know what? They might not be in right standing with God. Great citizens, great people, but they don't know Christ. You see, living a righteous life is two things. It is God's grace giving us right standing before him, first and foremost, And it is an invitation to live in what is God's best for us. And you think to yourself, well, what is God's best for me? Everything this says is God's best for you. It is a state of being and a wise way of living. Do you know it actually used to be spelled like a long time ago? Righteousness, does anybody know what it used to be spelled like? It was spelled right wiseness. Right wiseness is how they used to pronounce it. Instead of right, we just we kind of morphed it into righteousness. So it's obviously a wise connotation here, but keep in mind the context that Paul is advising Timothy. And I said, internalize this. God is advising us regarding this ministry he's called us to. And whether you know it or not, when you're in the process of renewal, guess what? You're being ministered to by God, and God's going to be using you to minister to others. Because as you're being renewed, as you're really excited about something, what do you do? You talk about it. You share with people the good news. But Timothy had a mixed bag of different backgrounds like we do in our culture. And it's tough to deal with. Different people back then than they are now, different lives maybe back then, but they all had the same problem. They let their circumstances, their environment, the culture around them distract them from what is true. And that is what God says. It was led by the false teaching of that day that had crept in. And during this time of Lent, maybe a great exercise for you to do is to just get with the Lord consistently saying, Lord, what false teachings have I let creep into my heart? Like, what are the things that I believe about you that aren't true? What are the things that I believe about me that aren't true? That type of thing the Lord can do. But 
after saying all those things, but as for you, O man of God, as, uh, you know, as you flee these things and pursue righteousness and gentleness and godliness and all of those things, verse 12, Paul writes the words this way. Fight the good fight for the faith. We're going to get into this, but let me just give you a quick overview. This means go hard and fast in your faith. Not irresponsibly. Not being like, okay, I'm moving to uh, India tonight. You know, like, maybe, I don't know. Like, uh, you know, be wise, you know, in, in how you do that. But this is like, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to like, what was that? Oh, wow, I love the song, The Reckless Abandon. Like uh, that old lame 90s Christian song. <laughs> Christians. This is like a reckless abandon. Like you just say, ah, oh, throw caution to the wind. I'm, I'm in. Like it's, it's, as, it's as serious as a, a person in the military, like pledging that like I will defend this country. You know? And this is an even higher calling than that. It's defending the faith. And so think of something that you get ready for. And this is going to help us describe what faith and fighting for the faith is. Like maybe it's a sporting event. Maybe it's a date. If you need advice on how to get a date and you're a guy, come talk to me. And I'll let you know the girls that are looking for one and we'll see what we can do. <laughs> but maybe it's, it's, it's a contest, school, whatever it might be. But I think one thing that we can all relate with, whether we've been married or not, we, we understand the picture. Like, what do you do to get ready for your wedding? Like, I don't mean the day of. I mean, like, to prepare for it. What does it do to your mind and heart? Guys can't answer this, I know, because guys, ladies, what does it do? Does it empty or fill your mind and heart? Fills your mind and heart, right? What do you think about as you're preparing for the wedding day? All the details, right? It's, they're, they're consuming you. They're like, they're, they're, they're pulling you in and you can be working, you can be talking and, and you're, you're literally having this, these ideas and thoughts about the wedding. You're constantly conscious of that, right? No matter what's going on. You're sleeping, you're thinking about it, you're waking up, you're thinking about it, all of these things. And that can be annoying. But I'll tell you that that, that fight, that, that struggle to, to have that beautiful, perfect day, every bit of the stress and anxiety and worry and frustration melts away. At the same time, every wedding I've ever done. It's when that bride is at the very end of the aisle and she is turned and they're seeing each other, maybe for the first time. And the groom is there waiting and the bride is at the end of this aisle and instantly their eyes meet, sometimes tears, but always a smile. And the peace that comes over them because they have prepared hard, they have fought, sometimes not well, sometimes well, to get ready for this day. And the day is here. 
The preparation brings stress and excitement. I mean, there's times that I've been talking to people about their wedding, they're like, we're just going to elope. I'm like, well, it's up to you. But that, when that day comes, when they see each other, even at a distance, face to face, there's this beautiful peace. And the closer they get, the happier they get. The closer they get, the more peaceful they look. The closer they get, even in times of like something going wrong as they're walking down the aisle, they laugh at all. Why? Because they're getting closer to being together forever. And so that is no wonder that when Jesus talks about us and him, he's always talking about that we're the bride of Christ. That yeah, things are stressful. Yeah, we are really working hard to make things happen in life and all of these things. But this is what God wants from this life until we get to be with him. Life is getting ready for whether you know it or not, your wedding. When you will be joined with the Father forever. And it's not just going to be like, hey, a general wedding for every single believer that's up in heaven. No, it will be individual to you and to you and to you and to you and to me. It will be a wonderful moment. But we don't have to wait for heaven. Renewal can do for us what anything that consumes our heart and mind can do. Sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad, but a constant preparing of our hearts and minds for what God wants for us in this life with eyes on the fact that this isn't all there is. There's heaven one day. That's why Paul reminds him here. You know, he says in the presence of God. Like you, you, you've obtained eternal life already, Timothy. And that's true of you if you've given your life to Christ. You already have eternal life. This shell will go away. But who Jimmy really is won't. So how do you live in renewal constantly? Jim did a great job last week of showing us how we can renew ourselves through Scripture, didn't he? If you didn't listen to it, I'd go to our, our webpage. I'd go to our pie. It was awesome. And we're going to talk about this later uh, as we go through Lent, but we're going to tackle the subject that um, pray without ceasing. We're going to talk about how that actually is possible. But sometimes it's fighting. Sometimes it's, as Paul writes here, fight the good fight. This was taken from the phrase of athletics. That's, that's the picture he's trying to give. And it describes the struggle of the Christian life. And there were two words here for fight. The first word for fight that we see in verse 12 was this. It was to give us a vivid picture of a real adventure that we're on. One that is a life and death struggle against a deadly opposition 
Satan and his powerful foes. That is real. And so maybe we aren't fighting in the sense for the faith physically like some people have had to, like some people have been beaten to death, some people have had to, you know, stand up for themselves in certain ways. But like in our culture, it's more about uh, being quieted. That's the trick of the enemy. Like Habakkuk, like we studied a couple weeks, you know, for a few weeks, like that was like the enemy's coming, they're going to destroy people, like people are going to die. This is the trick of the enemy right now is like everybody else is free to talk, but you can't say things that are true based on what God tells us are true. And, then, and the way that we live, you just can't talk about it. And if you do, you're done. You are not tolerant. You are not open-minded. And so people display how tolerant and open-minded they are by shutting you up, <laughs> which is very oxymoron, right? We'll talk about that later. But this fight is a never-ending struggle until Christ returns. But here is the beauty of renewal. Think about the wedding, the march down. What happens as they get closer? More peace, more happiness, more understanding, more this is happening, more this is real, more this is finally. Well, until Christ returns, it is never easy. But I'm here to tell you, you do get better at fighting. You do get better at understanding how God wants you to fight the battles that are out there. I thought I knew how to win every battle at 25. I didn't have junk, by the way. There's a lot of 25-year-olds in here that I'm like, wow, I wish I was like that when I was 25. Yeah, maybe by the time I was 38 or so, the Lord would have been like, okay, now we can do some stuff. It took decades. Well, it does get easier as you follow Christ long enough. And I don't mean following Him from a distance. I mean, they would never be married if the bride stood at the end of the aisle and just glared. No, the invitation is God's like, I'm right here. I'm never going to move. Take as long as you like, but I promise you, once you start walking down that aisle, you're not going to stop. That's renewal. That is possible here and now. So as we journey through this Lent season, let's journey in a way of like, Lord, I just want to be renewed in you every day. One way is through your word. One way is through fighting for the faith, fleeing what the world says and pursuing what God says. That's the greatest path to renewal. Let's pray.